1: Mix things up with any size lemonade
2: or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation
0: may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
1: The world is filled with many questions, such as, Do giants exist? What is junk DNA? Does it mean that you're trash? Do you ever wonder if aliens have underwater bases in our oceans? And that's why there are so many UFO sightings off the coasts of islands all over the world. How serious even is climate change, and when should we start building our rafts? Hello, everyone. You may recognize me as Gabby from the History of Everything podcast. And my name is Bruna. and you don't recognize me from anything yet. Together, we're two scientists who explore the answers to these questions and many, many more in our new podcast, Mystery, Mystery of, everything, of Everything, available everywhere you get your podcasts.
3: The Adversary, Old Scratch, The Lord of Lies, Dark hoary host of the Netherworld. He's got many names, but I think you can guess who we're talking about.
1: Could it be Satan?
3: Right. With more than a thousand movies and TV shows and countless literary and artistic versions, it might be easy to think of him as a fictional character. But to many Americans, Satan is a real and present threat, not just to our day to day lives, but to our eternal disposition. Perhaps you're the kind of person who thinks this has little impact on you, or that people who believe in the literal existence of the devil are out of touch with reality. Recently, Jennifer Sr. at New York Magazine interviewed American Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia. I'll put a link to that in the show notes, but here's an excerpt presented for you as a dramatic reading, and I think it says a lot about the relevance of Satan in our real everyday lives.
1: Monster dog. Well, whatever you think of the opinion, Justice Kennedy is now the Thurgood Marshall of gay rights. I don't know how, by your lights, that's going to be regarded in 50 years.
0: I don't know either. <laughs> and frankly, <clears throat> I don't care. Uh, maybe the world is spinning toward a wider acceptance of homosexual rights and here's Scalia standing athwarted, at least standing athwart it as a constitutional entitlement. But, but I've never been a custodian of my legacy. When I'm dead and gone, I'll either be sublimely happy or <clears throat> terribly unhappy.
1: You believe in heaven and hell.
0: Oh, of course I do. Don't you believe in in heaven and hell? No. Oh, my.
1: (laughs) Does that mean I'm not going?
0: (laughs) Unfortunately not.
1: Wait, to heaven or hell?
0: It doesn't mean you're not going to hell just because you don't believe in it. Ah, That's Catholic doctrine. (laughs) Everyone's going to one place or the other,
1: But you don't have to be a Catholic to get into heaven or or believe in it? (laughs) Of course not. Oh, (laughs) so you don't know where I'm going. though, thank God. (laughs) No,
0: no, I I, I don't know where you're going. I don't even know whether Judas Iscariot is in hell. I mean, that's what the Pope meant when he said, who am I to judge? He may have recanted and had severe penance just before he died. Who knows? (laughs)
1: Can we just talk about your drafting process?
0: (laughs) I even believe in the devil. You do? Of course! (laughs) He's a real person! Hey, come on, that's standard Catholic doctrine. Every Catholic believes that.
1: Every Catholic believes this? There's a wide variety of Catholics out there. If
0: you are faithful to Catholic dogma, that is certainly a large part of it.
1: Have you seen evidence of the devil lately? You you know it's it's curious. In the
0: Gospels, the devil is doing all sorts of things. He's making pigs run off cliffs. He's possessing people and and whatnot. And that doesn't happen very much anymore. No, it's because <clears throat> he's smart.
1: So what's he doing now?
0: What he's doing now is getting people not to believe in him or in God. He's much more successful that way.
1: That has really painful implications for atheists. Are you sure that's the devil's work? I
0: I, 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 I didn't say that, that, that atheists are the devil's work.
1: Well, you're saying the devil is persuading people to not believe in God. Couldn't there be other reasons to not believe?
0: Well, there certainly can be other reasons, but it certainly favors the devil's desires. I mean, come on. That's the explanation for why there's not demonic possession all over the place. That always puzzled me. What happened to the devil? You know? Used to be all over the place. Used to be all over the New Testament.
1: Right. So What happened to him? He just got wilier.
0: Yeah. Got wilier.
1: Isn't it terribly frightening to believe in the devil? (coughs) You're you're looking
0: at me as though I'm weird. (laughs) My God, you are so out of touch with most of America, most of which believes in the devil. I mean, Jesus Christ believed in the devil. It's in the Gospels. You travel in circles that are so. So removed from mainstream America that you are appalled that anybody would believe in the devil. (laughs) Most of mankind has believed in the devil for all of history. Many, many more intelligent people than you or me have believed in the devil.
1: I hope you weren't sensing contempt for me. It wasn't your belief that surprised me, so much as how boldly you expressed it. I
0: was, I was offended. I was offended by that. I really was. It's actually
1: quite unlike anything we've ever seen before.
2: A giant hairy creature, part ape, part man. In Larkness, a 24-mile-long bottomless lake in the highlands of Scotland. It's a creature known as the Loch Ness Monster
1: Monster
3: Dog. Welcome to Monster Talk. I'm your host, Blake Smith. Today, I present an unusual interview about a monster who, whether you believe in his literal existence or not, impacts your life on a daily basis. Millions of people around the world and throughout history have believed that there's a dark force, a dark and powerful entity, working against the powers of good in the world. Fundamentalists believe that the Bible is the literal and infallible word of God and that the villain in that tale is a real and potent enemy of the world. In much the same way that they rail against evolution, they rail against Satan and Satanic forces too, there's a kind of logic error called a tautology which goes like this, the Bible's literally true, how do you know, because the Bible says it's true. But here's a demonstrable fact, the Bible has changed over time, and it's a complicated work written by many people in many different times. And what I find interesting is that as it has changed, so is the content. The Bible evolves, and its interpretation evolves. You don't have to go back thousands of years to see this. Merely look back into the 1800s and how the Bible was interpreted to support slavery. The purpose of this episode is not to infuriate Christians, or to cause atheists to gloat, nor to help encourage people to question their faith. I just want to examine this villainous character who keeps being presented as the orchestrator of all kinds of evil in the world, because I think... If we're honest with ourselves, we'll find that in the end, it doesn't take a supernatural boogeyman to cause all the evil in the world. We have that dark capacity all by ourselves.
1: Monster Talk.
3: Monster Talk's proud to welcome back Robert M. Price. You'll likely remember Bob from our Cthulhu episode, which so far is our second most popular episode ever just behind our Ancient Aliens episode. In addition to his Lovecraftian scholarship, Bob's also a noted biblical scholar and the author of many books on biblical topics, as well as the popular podcast, The Bible Geek. So, Bob, welcome back to Monster Talk.
2: It's great to be here and to be monstrous again.
3: (laughs) So I'm asking you here today to talk about one of the most well-known villains in Western civilization, the devil. But, I think we need to figure out who we mean by the devil, because there seems to be way more stories about him than just those in the Christian Bible, and he's recognized as a villain in both Islam and Judaism. So, who is the devil?
2: Well, who is he, and who was he? are two very different questions uh, it uh, the way it's understood now, uh, at least in you know literal supernaturalist, orthodox. Christian uh, thought, and I suppose uh, Islamic and Orthodox Jewish as well, uh, the ideas that Satan, which means the adversary, began as Lucifer, the light bearer, the morning star, and that he was the highest of the angel princes or archangels, and uh, that he was... uh, Uh, proud of his greatness and decided he could do a better job running the show than God could and uh, staged a palace revolution with a third of the angels. He lost this uh, bid and was uh, cast down uh, to Somewhere Now here, opinion divides. Uh, is he supposed to be in hell, which general folklore imagines, but the Bible never says? Or is he in one of the lower concentric heavens that the ancients believed in? Uh, that's uh, stated, uh, at least strongly implied, for instance, in the Epistle to the Ephesians, when it refers to him as the prince of the power of the air, and uh, also in the Book of Jubilees, a non-canonical work. But at any rate, he's supposed to be a fallen angel who is uh, trying to get revenge on God by ruining uh, his creation and uh, the human race. Uh, In the Quran, uh, there's a bit more to the story which, has, as far as I know, has kind of dropped out of uh, the, the standard Christian account, though there's nothing uh, particularly inimical to traditional Christian theology in it. Uh, the, the motive for the revolution was that when God created Adam as a flesh and blood being, he summoned all of the angels to bow down before him. And uh, Satan and his compatriots thought this was insane. He bowed down to this homunculus, uh, not a chance. God must have lost his mind. Uh, we've got to take over. And uh, and then that's why. And then why is he so against humanity? Well, jealousy, and he's trying to, to prove that uh, God was wrong and he was right, that the humans are unworthy of this tension from God. So you, you almost never hear of this anymore, but that's, I think, the full version of the legend. But it's based on various components that have been melded together to create uh, a new Origin of Satan. It appears in the uh, in in ancient Israel that there was this character known as the Satan. Uh, since again, it was not a proper name; it just means ha satanas, uh, Satan. that is. and uh, it means the Satan, the adversary, implying, on the one hand, a kind of a Chief of Sting Operations, and on the other an accuser, like a an attorney we and the point of this is that the Satan was a servant of uh, of God, he was one of the sons of God, who would periodically gather, as in the first chapter of Job. And uh, whereas the others were all appointed the heads of the various nations of the earth, his special function was to uh, patrol the earth, looking for hypocrites, basically, and the unworthy, because he didn't want to see God made a laughingstock. Uh, as in Job, he says, well, God says to him, well, if you've been patrolling the earth, surely you've come across my servant Job. Uh, I'm pretty proud of him. He's perfect in righteousness. He serves me, and so on. And uh, the Satan says, uh, don't be naive. Uh, with all the fringe benefits you give this guy, he would be a fool not to worship you. Now, what are you saying? And uh, the Satan says, well, let's try a little experiment. Uh, take away everything you've given him and we'll see where his heart really is. And so, uh, God says to, him, well, all right, do your worst, but just don't Harm him personally. So uh, there's uh, the bunch of there's an ambush by a bunch of marauders who uh, kill his cattle and uh, uh, steal everything he's got. And there's an earthquake and his uh, seven children die and uh, it's, it's horrific. And his wife, uh, is, uh, let's see, I've got that the wrong uh she at some point she says why don't you just end it all curse god and have him kill you says, no no i'm i'm not gonna do that uh we've accepted uh, god's uh gifts when we like them he's brought these things our way uh are we gonna start refusing delivery it's it's up to him uh, i'm happy either way she says, you're crazy well then uh the sons of God meet again, and uh, God says, well, uh, you moved me to destroy old Job without cause, but at least you see that I was right. He is faithful to me. And Satan says, well, or again, the Satan uh, says, uh, "Uh, well, you stopped me from really doing this experiment. Uh, Let me afflict him physically and you'll see how fast he turns. Okay, and this time uh, Job is stricken with plagues. Uh, He's covered with Boils and he's sitting in the, uh, wreckage of his house, and, uh, and his, uh, three friends come over and, uh, they tr- They tell him look obviously you 've sinned greatly, god doesn 't punish the innocent and he's look i 'm sorry to disappoint you guys, but I am innocent. Uh, god is harassing me it 's fascinating, uh, but the <laughs> idea is that uh, the Satan is not an opponent of god he 's zealous for god 's reputation, and the two other instances of this he inst- uh, I guess it's Second Chronicles. I said first. I forget. Uh, Whereas uh, the source document, First Samuel, had God uh, test David by suggesting he take a census of Israel, uh, and that was bad because, according to the holy war idea, you didn't trust human resources, you just sort of fanatically went into battle because God was on your side. Well, he's showing a uh, lack of faith by seeing what the resources are. Well, God then punishes him, but in the retelling of it, it says that the Satan tempted uh, David to do this. Well, that's not inconsistent. Uh, the idea is that the writer figure. well, of course, the Satan is the, the servant of God who handles these matters, and he wants to see where David's heart really is. Then there's another one in um, uh, the prophet Zechariah. There's a vision where uh, God is about to accept a man named Joshua to be the new high priest, and the Satan confronts him and says, "No, this, this guy. Look at his track record. His uh, his gar his priestly garments are stained. So he's got something wrong with him." And uh, then the, the angel uh, of the Lord shows up and rebukes him and says, "Well, you're right, but we're going to purify him and then give him the uh, the crown." So in every case where he appears. It's just three, but that's really enough to set the tone. He's, he's God's uh, right-hand man in some ways. He's trying to weed out the fakes. Now, how did we get the idea that he is God's enemy? Uh, the name means adversary, but originally he was the adversary of sinners and hypocrites. Uh, how did he become what he's called in 2 Enoch, Sethanael, the enemy of Elohim, the enemy of God? Well, that's he, he never appears as such in the Old Testament. The, the the Satan has nothing to do with the serpent in Eden. That's a whole different thing, uh, and uh, nor is he the fallen. Um, being Halal, the son of uh, the dawn in Isaiah 14, uh, nor is he the uh, fallen king of Tyre in Ezekiel 28. These passages are always quoted out of context as if they were about Satan, but they're not, as you can easily see by just reading them in context. Well, you, what you uh, don't see between the Testaments is the Babylonian exile. Well, it does happen like in Second Kings. Uh, but uh, what the missing piece is, the uh the Jews the Jewish leaders the priests and others were held captive there for about 50 years they and their descendants and toward the end of that time the Persian empire overcame the Babylonians and the Persians were zoroastrians they believed in this uh this apocalyptic Sort of monotheistic religion, and apparently the a lot of their ideas appealed to the jewish priests who who learned about them and they they didn't persecute them they were they got along fine, and among the ideas were resurrection of the dead for the final judgment, a supernatural messianic figure who would raise the dead uh, the division of history into deterministic predestined periods of battles of good and evil uh, complex uh, belief in in loads of different angels uh, and uh, especially the notion of an evil anti-god uh, in zoroastrianism is called ahriman or or um, um, or uh, what no, not right uh, or uh, angra Manu. Well, uh, he was uh, almost uh, the equal of God, and his opposite in the, the history of good and evil. Fighting throughout history is, is the two sides, and uh, God uh, versus uh, Ahriman, Ahura Mazda versus Ahriman, and every act a human performs is a blow struck on one side or the other, and it's all a great moral battle. Well, um, apparently... Jewish thinkers kind of liked this idea because the notion of God had become increasingly rationalized and moralized. The holiness of God had originally simply meant the uncanny otherness of God. God was really beyond human good and evil, uh, like we would be beyond the rules we set for our pets, uh, not to wet the carpet and all that. We're not too worried about that. Well, uh, the uh, so, so now, uh, thinking of God as morally righteous, redefining holiness, now you had some explaining to do. Where could evil have come from if there is just one God? Well, the Zoroastrian said, well, there's kind of two gods. Uh, one of them is evil. Uh, yeah, that means uh, the good God is not all-powerful, though he will win in the end. Uh, he would eradicate evil right now if he could, but he's not unopposed. And uh, that sounded pretty good to to Jewish thinkers, who said, all right, maybe somebody else is the author of evil. Uh, And uh, they wanted to be strict monotheists by that time, so they couldn't have a second god, so they said, well, how about if there was an angel who fell and became God's enemy? That didn't quite solve the philosophical problem, but that does seem to be where it came from. In other words, they reinterpreted Satan to be Ahriman, the evil Enemy of the good God. And uh, that starts appearing in various works that didn't make it into the biblical canon the Book of Jubilees, 1st and 2nd Enoch, the Life of Adam and Eve, the Apocalypse of Moses, and various others and uh, that's uh in place by the time of the new testament and i'll uh, end this in just a second mercifully but uh, the uh the new testament still usually depicts satan as uh, a kind of a, a one who puts the the uh, anointed of god through their paces to test them uh not evil just trying to make sure people are what they're cracked up to be, which is why uh, he he takes Jesus out into the desert to test him. If you're the son of God, how about this? Uh, this is a pretty good idea, isn't it? What do you think? And Jesus sees through it and won't do it. Satan's not trying to get him to do the wrong thing. He's just trying to see if he will do the wrong thing. Then uh, he, uh, uh, let's see, uh, when uh, Jesus accuses Peter of being Satan, get behind me, Satan, because he's trying to persuade him not to go to the cross. Well, that's the whole idea. Will Jesus give in to this test? And he, he doesn't. At the Last Supper, he warns the disciples they're going to all fall away and, and run away, and he says, uh, Satan has demanded his right to test you all like, uh, like wheat from the chaff. Yeah, that's what he does. That's his job on God's behalf. Then in the book of Revelation uh, we, we have uh, a bit of this idea that Satan is a fallen angel but this battle in heaven occurs at the end of the age and Satan is called the accuser of the brethren well yeah that's the whole idea uh, he's, he's doing a good service to God that way Satan even in the New Testament appears only, uh, only as, as an evil character only when he's been combined with other uh, originally distinct beings one of them is Ahreman. Uh, he he's not named in the New Testament, but that's in the background. Um, then, uh, secondly, when he's combined with Beelzebul, the prince of demons, in Mark chapter three, that that's a whole separate character. That that originally was a, a, some sort of Phoenician god. It, uh, didn't really have anything to do with the biblical Satan. And the the third one is in the book of Revelation, where they conflate Satan with Leviathan, the seven-headed chaos dragon, that's mentioned several times in the Old Testament, this ancient creation myth, where God, like Marduk and Uh, Indra and various other deities created the earth out of the carcass of a dragon that he slew. Uh, So uh, when Satan is combined with uh, the the seven-headed serpent, then he's evil, but there's no unanimity of thought even in the New Testament, and more often than not, he's a good guy there. So you really have a post-biblical development into Satan, uh, the the evil one.
3: Well, this to so, let you know, you've, you've tore through about my first five questions almost in exactly the order I was going to ask them. This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was going to ask one, which was, how did Satan get so many nicknames? But I, I think what you just said is that uh, after, uh, I guess, the development of the Bible. Um, so when would that have been after? So by the time of Jesus, um, he was still considered to be a tempter, or at least by the time the Gospels were written.
2: Yeah, and it's not absolutely clear that he's more than that, except... In uh, the Beelzebul controversy, or in the King James, the Beelzebub, was a different god, uh, where uh, he's uh, they, they say Jesus is casting out demons by magic. He's bound the power of Beelzebub, the prince of demons, which exorcists actually did. Uh, Jesus goes on to defend the ideas. I read it. He said, well, you, you can't despoil a man of his goods unless you bind him first. And this is the rationale for uh, appealing to the power of the prince prince of the demons to order around his subordinates so they no longer infest and possess people. Well, uh, so it's not absolutely clear there that uh, Satan is the bad guy, but that's about as close as you come in the Gospels.
3: Wow. So how much of Satan's history actually comes from um, other popular fiction or folklore, or um, I'm not sure what else to call it. Um, what What do you call the sort of belief developments that happen after the canonical uh, religious uh, prescription?
2: Well, the tricky part is that it happens uh, in a kind of a gap between the Old and New Testaments. It's um, a... uh a uh, product of folk religious belief, so I guess you could say folklore, but it, uh, just like the assumption of the Virgin Mary became, the perpetual virginity of Mary was apparently popular Catholic piety that eventually became uh, official doctrine. That seems to be what happened here, that there were different theories, for instance, as to who the demons were course, it was like an ancient uh, diagnostic category. They didn't know anything about abnormal psychology, and especially when people had epileptic seizures, they uh, said, oh, a demon has seized. In fact, that's what epilepsy means, to be seized upon uh, in Greek. Uh, And uh, so who were these demons? And various people said, well, they must be ghosts of the dead who haven't gone on to paradise. And others said, no, God just created some bodiless uh, creatures at the dawn of creation and they would like to, to have physical warmth so they try to they're squatters in other people's bodies they said no they're the offspring of the sons of god and the daughters of men whose uh, trysting led to the flood of noah in genesis 6 uh, and uh, then another one was well maybe they are the sons of god back in genesis 6 that was originally a, a, a story about uh why the, a group called the Rephaim or the Anakim in Canaan were so tall. Most people were shrimpy, and uh, these people were over six feet. And uh, what made them that way? And they kind of figured, well, they must have had divine ancestors. They must be descended from demigods. And so you had Genesis 6, uh, 1, 2, and 4 outside of the flood story originally, which said, well, these people are the result of uh, the result of, of, of the May of the sons of God, the lesser gods uh, that God has appointed in charge of the nations, mating with mortal women.
3: And, the, and this uh, is the, the the Nephilim? Yeah, um,
2: yeah, yeah. W- which kind of looks like the Hebrew word for fallen, and so the the legend may have grown as an attempt, as often happens in the Old Testament, to explain a name nobody understood anymore. Uh, so they're <laughs> the fallen ones. But originally there was there's nothing bad about this. It's just like uh, Hercules is so strong because he's a demigod, uh, the god, a divine father, immortal mother, and it was it was no uh, no problem. But as Judaism crept closer and closer to monotheism, they couldn't have sons of God. There couldn't be seventy subordinate beings in charge of the other nations. So they demoted them to angels, uh, created beings, and uh, and now the idea that they should mate with mortal women just seemed pagan and evil, and so the story had to be reinterpreted as the fall of the, the angels. Now that's still not Satan, but Satan gets uh tied in with this in the, the Book of Jubilees and First Enoch and so forth, where we're told that after Satan rebelled against God, he recruited the, the sons of God and there are various versions of this in even the, uh, in the few books we still have from this period and so it it- it's like a folkloric embellishment of what uh is what you do see surfacing in the Old Testament here and there, especially when people no longer quite understood what the original point was and uh, patched some of these stories together. And once you bring in... Um, Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28 about some kind of angel or Adam figure or something, and you just ignore the original context, well, suddenly you've got a whole biography of Satan here, and a lot of it is taken for granted by the New Testament writers. First John refers to Cain being a murderer. Well, where'd this come from? Why is he such a bad seed? Well, uh, because uh, Eve was impregnated by Satan, uh, and First uh, John says that he was he was of the evil one, and that's why he murdered his brother. And in Second Corinthians it says that uh, Eve was seduced by Satan, and uh, this is made explicit in the life of Adam and Eve and other of these works. So a lot of these are so offensive to any kind of theology today that they get reinterpreted again to to take the barb out of the tail of it.
0: If you want nightmares, you are in the right place. I couldn't sleep last night after listening. This podcast is genuinely scary. That's what people are saying about Frightful. And if you'd like a few nightmares of your own, then how about you step this way? Hi, I'm Peter Laws, and I'm an author, journalist, and the host of Frightful, the podcast that is giving folks the serious creeps. From spine-tingling tales of the paranormal and shocking true crime to disturbing cults, possessions, and the forgotten horrors of history— Frightful is the podcast that pulls you into the darkness with immersive music, sound effects and storytelling that is designed with one thing in mind to get under your skin. With new episodes every other Sunday, you'll have plenty to keep that heart rate high. The good news is it's available free wherever you get your podcasts. The bad news is that after listening to this show, you might just have to spend a few more cents on electricity. After all, you're going to be sleeping with the lights on. So search Frightful in your podcast apps and I will see you there. In the dark
3: <laughs> well <laughs> so I, I think growing up in um, um, a very fundamentalist uh, family, I had always been told that uh, demons were all fallen angels, and I don't think that's actually scriptural. that just seems to have come from somewhere, like just it got does that seem I mean, do you know of any scriptural origin for that idea?
2: No, it, it's not unlikely that that's what the gospel writers thought, but they don't really say so. And one of the the most important exorcism stories is that of the Gadarene or Gerasene demoniac in Mark 5, I think it is, where it implies that the legion of demons infesting this guy are the ghosts of the dead in the cemetery that he lives in, which is why he lives there, and why when Jesus threatens to kick him out, they don't want to leave the area. Why is that? Well, because I think because they're the ghosts of the dead uh, there. And uh, so th- there's a big hint that not everybody in uh, the Christian orbit believed that they were fallen angels. The, the idea of the principle, and powers, that there are demonic, uh, well, the heavenly forces of wickedness, as Ephesians says, for instance, that is part of the fall of the sons of God idea. Uh, And this is a profound uh, myth in the true Boltmannian sense, that is a myth that, uh, that explains and articulates a group's understanding of their position in the world. People realize that you couldn't have chaos and anarchy, the war of all against all. It was better to stem the chaos with government, but everybody knows government is wicked, as we're seeing more and more every day. And uh, and so uh, it may be like the mafia run in Chicago, but it's better than just endless violence in the streets. And so they had this this sophisticated myth that the, the nations are ruled by fallen angels, the Principality and powers. Uh, and one day, God will end that rule and, and rule directly, and then the millennium will arrive. But until then, even this is better than nothing. And so the the fallen angels were understood to be these these uh, evil powers behind the human thrones of the nations, not necessarily these pesky demons that, that uh, caused epileptic fits and scenes like in The Exorcist. Uh, that's not quite the same thing. And yet there is some reason to think these guys were believed to be fallen angels. I believe it's in the book of Jubilees, where it says that Mastema, who's apparently Satan, uh, is, uh, after his bid to unseat God, he is uh, tossed down to one of the lower heavens, and most of his minions are going to be cast into the nether world of darkness, a feature drawn right out of Hesiod in Greek mythology. Uh, But Mastema says, well, look, I am to be a uh, the scourge of sinners, right? So uh, why don't you give me 10% of the fallen angels to do my dirty work? And, and that would appear to be uh, the possessing demon. So that, that, uh, that link is made, but that doesn't see, seem even to be the original point of the fall. Even that seems to be an embellishment combining different, uh, different myths.
3: Well, at least nobody believes that, uh, that uh, these powers are controlling people today.
2: <laughs> uh, who? Well, uh, there of course are loads. No, and I'm joking. Of
3: course, I yeah. grew up like I grew up with the uh, uh, was it Hal Lindsey, uh, yeah, and uh, that that sort of uh, mentality. So, like in the, in the in the 1980s, I was really aware of uh, these sort of vast dark satanic conspiracies, which are supposed to be at play in America. And it turns out that a lot of this, especially some of these satanic cults and uh, stories about children being murdered and stuff, were actually uh, coming out of, um, uh, recovered memory type right. uh, yeah. uh, behavior, which has now been shown to be able to make people believe really, uh, amazingly unlikely or implausible or impossible sort of things. And, um, and then some of it seemed to be, uh, just a, a really imaginative, but paranoid people, uh, I'm going to say making up or confabulating, um, but in that same time period, I heard people say that Jimmy Carter was the Antichrist, Bill Clinton was the Antichrist. I hear people saying Barack Obama's the Antichrist. So, uh, you know, and then there's this sort of satanic apocalyptic literature that's super popular, uh, selling lots and lots of books. Uh, but how's that whole satanic apocalypse coming along? I, I mean, uh, is that working out okay?
2: Well, I don't know if, uh, who is still saying that, because I'm in less close touch with the with, uh People uh, that that know about it than I used to be, but there were various people that at least three of them I can think of that claimed to have been back in the late 70s satanic high priests and all of that. And uh, Mike Warnicky was one of them, and he he was just a con man. He was simply making it up. Uh, and there were others that appeared to be more. Uh, Paranoids and believed it, but there was no grounds for it. And then that was compounded by this recovered memory nonsense, which is really just like a redo of the Salem witch trials, that uh, these uh, incompetent shrinks would say, are you sure you don't uh, remember your dad sacrificing your baby <laughs> sister in the basement? Well, literally. Right, and, right, right. Uh, And they just, it was all uh, leading the witness, just planting these memories. Oh, uh, okay, I can picture it. I guess I do remember it. And so you had uh, utterly dumbfounded. Parents finding themselves in jail for, for this, and none of it ever happened. Uh, as to the idea that the Illuminati are around, and they're going to take over, uh, that, of course, uh, has has had a vogue, and still does, on the extremes of both the left and the right, but whether they literally demonize that and tied in with Satan, as these Jack-Chick-type fundamentalists uh, did, I, I don't know how popular that is.
3: It, it's um, I, Obama's Antichrist is a pretty powerful idea right now. Um, I just, in fact, right before this interview, uh, I happened to be reading an article and one of the pop-up ads, I guess because of my research, was a a really graphic image of uh, a a giant Barack Obama in front of an audience with uh, FEMA people pointing guns at the audience. And uh, click here for this important video to save your family in the future, the dark future that's coming. And uh, so I clicked on it, and it was all about um, why we need to be uh, hoarding our food for the coming uh, uh, dark times that are coming. And it, was all, you know, it fed into the same idea, and, and there seems to be, a, in the conspiracy world, there seems to be kind of a, an interesting split between the people who believe in uh, the Illuminati, the people who believe in reptilian aliens, oh,
2: brother, and, and yeah. the people
3: who believe in a satanic uh, overlord or sort of uh, a dark power spiritual power being behind all the bad things that uh, are happening so
2: well the the uh, unfortunate thing about this is that There is a point to to this stuff if it's not understood in a literal and paranoid way, like the the notion of the principalities and powers. I think this is quite profound. It just doesn't have anything to do with the supernatural. It's a recognition of things that it took 20th century sociology to understand, that there are supra-individual forces politically, culturally, economically, uh, and it's what... uh, multinational corporations, agencies of the government, religions, anything you want to pick, any institution that it was created by humans long ago but now have taken on a power of their own to the point where there's no single human face. No concerned individual could hope to change these things. So these are, are I think, aptly symbolized and maybe even irreplaceably symbolized by the demonic principalities and powers. If you reduce it to The omen and think that it's literal devils, that trivializes it, but there's a powerful I think I heard Jerry Brown say this once uh, probably the only thing he ever said I agreed with but uh, <laughs> that there, there really is a point about this I mean if you're saying you know why can't we get those fat cats to just repent it's not a question of that there's an institutional inertia or institutional racism right? you can you can get all kinds of individuals to stop being racist but if there's a structure to it that people have vested interests in this goes way beyond what any individual could do well Likewise, if you uh like when fundamentalists say, Oh, the universal product code is uh is the mark of the beast or something, that seems kind of crazy and it is because they're taking it literally, they're saying, Oh, is this the prediction? Oh boy, let's match A with B. That's crazy. But Think of all this surveillance by the NSA and the IRS, all this stuff going on that I never thought was going on. This, you suddenly see, is what these symbols were about. When you see a a shocking overreach by the authorities, then these myths start to click in. And it doesn't mean there's a literal antichrist. There's not. In fact, that would just be... That would be less relevant. The idea is that Hitler was the Antichrist, Mussolini, Stalin, these guys were the Antichrist because it's a mythic archetype that people, unfortunately, live into and embody. And uh, I, I do think uh, Obama is a dangerous megalomaniac who is shredding the Constitution. Uh, and uh, I, I uh, can see why superstitious folks say he's literally the Antichrist. Well, there is no literal Antichrist, but the symbol is Andy to make us say, wait a minute, this guy is uh, getting too big for his britches. We could be in trouble here. No matter who you think. I mean, if you didn't like Bush, uh, the the utility of the 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 symbol would still apply, right? It's it's always a question mark to be raised beside uh, leaders, and so that's the utility of myth. It's not just scientifically true or false it's it's sure. a union kind of a thing
3: well it also works for corporations in that they have now achieved a kind of personhood legally but they yeah don't, that's right but yeah. they don't have they don't have souls and <laughs> they don't have in a, in a more literal sense they don't have empathy and they don't have regret so much you know the, that's
2: right that's right, right. exactly
3: so it it, it uh, it's certainly a workable metaphor, but uh, I I think I'm far too well. You you live in the south too, but I mean uh, it's just I run into way more people who believe this literally in supernatural sense than I do who consider it in the metaphorical sense where it might be useful.
2: Yeah, I just, uh, I will admit to th- th- that these people may have, they may also like Tillich said about naive literalism, they they uh, may also be getting the real point of it, even though they happen to believe in, uh, in implausible literal applications of it. I think that uh, people are nowadays very rightly suspicious of government, no matter who's in charge. Uh, and, uh, that uh, if they also happen to believe there's going to be a literal antichrist and a rapture, well, uh, really, who cares, that uh, they might be right about their suspicions of the government anyway.
3: This is going to be the most controversial muster talk ever, because I think I've avoided religion as much as possible and politics almost completely, so this should be interesting.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know people that like my uh, writing. The minute they hear I'm a Republican, they think that I'm an idiot savant, uh, <laughs> that I, I happen to know some I'm like the rain man, that it's self-evident that no intelligent person could be politically conservative. and. Uh, uh, in return, I think uh, it seems very clear to me that dogmatic political liberalism is a fact-proof faith position. So it, it kind of it's a mirror image, I guess. Well, I think and, uh, I
3: think the issue, and just again, one of the reasons I try to keep politics off is just because I think dogma itself is is the problem, and and that the whole uh, political system seems to have made the idea of compromise. Uh, like a bad word and like people are not working together towards right. helping America or the world for that matter. They're just looking for their own personal gain and that there's way too much um, uh, selfishness and not enough altruism. And, and, and yeah. so I just, it, and that, that's one of the reasons I just tend to avoid it because I don't have any answers. I, yeah, don't, yep. <laughs> I agree. I agree. You really covered a lot of what I wanted to ask you about, really neatly, without me having to ask questions. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, the devil changes over time and becomes, instead of being uh, someone who's working towards God's mission, becomes this character, at least within Christianity, and I guess uh, to some extent Islam as well, where he is the bad guy. Uh, who's blamed for everything. How does that work? I mean, is it dangerous for people to ascribe blame to this spiritual force instead of taking responsibility for their own actions? Or do people even do that, do you think?
2: Well, I know I've heard jokes like the old Flip Wilson thing, the devil made me do it, uh, and all that, but I have never met anybody that, uh, I've certainly never met any kind of devout fundamentalist that was trying to uh, slide out of responsibility. Uh, I regret the, I think, the intellectual errors of uh, fundamentalism of any kind, but I, uh, my experience has been that most of these people of any religion who take it so seriously, really are concerned about uh, their their moral integrity. I mean there's hypocrites everywhere, but I I ne- my experience has been that that the devil is almost superfluous to their belief. He's a fifth wheel because they do not underestimate uh, the the frailty of human nature. And uh, like when when uh, the epistle of James says, where do we get all these disputes and this strife? Uh, you expect him to say, well, of course, it could it be Satan? Uh, but he doesn't say that. He says, well, of course, it's, it's your own desires. It's your own nature, as it obviously is. Uh, and uh, it, so the fundamentalists do happen to believe in the satanic mastermind, but in my opinion, uh, experience, most of them, it almost would make no difference to their belief if that wasn't a part of it, because they know, oh yeah, I have the potential for sin. I'm tempted by my own weaknesses and desires, and they're a little too tough on themselves.
3: Well, I know that um, um, more than one uh, humorist I've read has has made the comment about Satan uh, that uh, I don't have time, nor am I needed to make up all these terrible ideas. People do it themselves. ourselves. They- yeah. <laughs>
2: And that's an important uh, Christian realization. Uh, once I was talking to a professor at Gordon Conwell seminary right after the Jonestown horror, and he said, Don't you think that's evidence of Satan in the world today? And I said, I wish it were. That's optimistic. And if there was one supernatural terrorist we could somehow get rid of, everything would be okay, but there isn't. This is in human nature. Uh, th- this shows the depths to which Human beings can too easily sink. Uh, so uh, the, the Satan thing—if if they took it seriously—I think would uh, would uh, be inimical to their theology.
3: When we think about how people uh, consider Satan today, the image of Satan and our stories of hell and of how Satan got there—so much of it seems to be uh, sort of stuck, pulled straight out of Dante and out of Milton. And I, I wonder, uh, like. It, uh, this is completely fanciful in a sense, but uh, Dante, you know, he populated some of the lowest pits of hell with people who were still alive. <laughs> <You
2: know? laughs>
3: so, like, their souls had left their body, and now they were being controlled by demons uh, and, and still walking the earth alive, even though their souls were in hell being punished. And uh, and I thought, I know he was making a joke, but it, it also seems like a, a wonderful metaphor for people who... Um, are psychopaths who, who don't have what we would consider to be like a, uh, the sort of emotional responses we would expect from a normal person. Uh, yeah. And uh, I always thought it was a, a nice metaphor for that, even though that's not what he had in mind when he made those jokes. But was, So how much of that does, I mean, it seems like most of what we think about uh, the, the appearance of Satan comes from medieval and Renaissance art. Uh, but not from the Bible and, uh, and, and just our ideas of hell or that hell, as I read the Bible, was really not very well described
2: that's right uh, there's Tartaros that first Peter mentions and it's the name and uh, the idea seem to come right out of Hesiod and other greek writers Tartaros was the uh, the pit of darkness where Uranos had uh, imprisoned the giants and some of the titans uh, monstrous offspring that he couldn't unleash on the earth and they're uh, in uh, chains there uh, under the 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 in the caverns of darkness, just like First Peter says that the the fallen angels are. I think it's First Peter, maybe Second Peter, and uh, that comes right from there. Or Hades, which is usually like, of course, the word hell uh, is is an English word, not a bad translation for Sheol, the nether world of the dead in the Old Testament. But uh, the the idea of a fiery pit of torment, that goes. Uh, Well, Hades, uh, the the Greek word used in the Gospels, that could mean um, just uh, the the place of the dead without necessarily being uh, a place of torment, as when uh, Jesus says uh, that Capernaum, Bethsaida, and Korodzin, who uh, spurned his preaching despite miracles, they will not rise to, to heaven. They will be brought down to Hades. Well, that's kind of a... Recollection of Isaiah 14, the king of Babylon will find himself waking up on the dung heap in hate in Sheol. But uh, Gehenna is the one where it's, it's a fiery hell. And that's, that's a very old idea uh, in, in the Old Testament. It's a place, it means the valley of the sons of Hinnom. And uh, this was a, a place of valley right at the base of Mount Zion, and according to their mythic cosmology, they believed that the, uh, that Mount Zion with a temple on top was the gateway to heaven where, where Jehovah lived, and that Tophet or Gehenna down below was an opening to the fiery nether world of Molech, uh, a god who received human sacrifices, infant sacrifices. So there was this subterranean fiery realm, and... Uh, and, and the innocent went there. That's the, the difference. It wasn't a place of post-mortem punishment. Uh, but eventually, it I guess it's combined with Tartaros and, and so on. And uh, But it's not clear in too many of the places in the New Testament where hell is mentioned that they're thinking of a place where all the wicked will wind up. Uh, in, in the clearest places in Revelation where it says those who have taken the mark of the beast to save their hide will uh, rue it because they will be thrown into the lake of fire and the smoke of their torment rises day and night forever before the Lamb and and His throne. But that's uh, special treatment given to these people that knuckled under to the beast. It doesn't say whether all the unrighteous are going to join them there, uh, which is kind of an important thing. If you're trying to con- compile this jigsaw puzzle of theology out of little postage stamps in the Bible, and uh, in Matthew 25, the sheep and the goats judgment, the, um, the people that didn't help the, the least of the Son of Man's brethren are going into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Well, who then are the goats? Are they the devil and his angels? Are we even talking about human beings at all? It's not that clear. Uh, And uh, the, the places in Matthew where it says that people will be thrown into the fiery furnace where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth, these have been added by Matthew again and again from a phrase in, in the Q document that didn't mean quite that originally. Uh, when the, the end comes and uh, Gentiles are welcomed into the kingdom, and Jews, the proper heirs of the kingdom, are shocked to see it, and the, these unrighteous Jews will be excluded, they will weep and gnash their teeth in anguish. It's not about what's going to happen in hell. Matthew applies it to that. There's very little said. There is nothing in any epistle attributed to Paul about anybody going to hell. Uh, The dead that are wicked just don't rise. So it's really a mixed bag, and it's not at all clear.
3: I was thinking about the parable of Lazarus and uh, the rich man, Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's the only place I, 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 I'm i aware of where you've got a, a picture of someone in hell also, not only are they being tormented, but also able to look up and see heaven and what they're missing out on.
2: Mm. Yeah, he says, I am uh, uh, in agony in this pit of torment, and, uh, and he, he figures this wicked brothers, or at least his rich brothers, uh, they seem to equate the two in Luke, uh, they will uh, die and come to the same sad fate. There were uh, hells of torment in uh, ancient Jewish and early Christian thought as well, and it's interesting, this doesn't entail a final judgment. This is yet another version of it. This is more like what people think of today. You die and go to heaven or hell. Uh, Did they also think that they would be recalled to their bodies one day for a superfluous second judgment, rubber stamping the one that landed them in heaven or hell in the first place? That sounds like somebody is trying to stitch together disparate ideas in the Bible, but that certainly, or Jesus in the same gospel tells the the repentant thief, today you'll be with me in paradise. Nothing about Jesus going to the right hand of God. They're just both righteous and they're going to go to heaven when they die, sure. So uh, it doesn't quite fit in with the rest of the scenario, but uh, there there is a post-mortem suffering uh, passage. It is there. It's just that not all, uh, not all of them seem to agree.
3: No, right, right. Uh, it, well, and the different writers. Yeah. <laughs> different yeah. times. Um, so should we be afraid of the devil, Robert?
2: Uh, I don't think so, Uh only paranoids are even in terms of orthodox christianity if you're afraid of the devil you're you're not being a very good christian because uh first john says he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world
3: oh, you know I, I had that argument with uh i'm not going to say who some family members of mine that uh, i i had some family members who were very very frightened of satanic power very very frightened of demons and and uh, my reading was, if you were uh, a believer in Christ, there was no reason to be afraid. And so I, I never understood all the fear at all. I never understood the fear. It was so strange.
2: I can see concern if you really did believe that. And again, this could be secular. If you think, well, our country's going to hell in a handbasket. Well, yeah, it, it was made this, about that. Yeah, this was but, supernatural fear. This was the... the uh, oogie Boogie Fear. <laughs> well, were they afraid that the satanic conspiracy was going to in the Great Tribulation, or, the, or just that things were going to be awful bad?
3: Yeah, I think they were afraid that, um, that, uh, that maybe a demon could possess them, that people they knew might be under the influence or control of Satan, um, that, that there's very real, dark, spiritual influence in the world that directly impacted them in their life.
2: Yeah, I would just, if I were still a believer in this, I would tell such people... That I think they they they're not trusting in Christ uh that they this is morbid preoccupation akin to the person that's afraid every day they're going to die of some germ or whatever that uh, anything that oh, hell like Christians that don't believe in eternal security and say, "Well gee, it's possible, I might fall away and lose my faith. What would happen then uh, and uh, that anything's possible, but that's not the life of faith you say you signed on for uh. Uh, isn't the hope of glory christ in you uh, isn't christ powerful where you are weak uh, and if you trust in christ what do you have to worry about uh, it seems to me that's uh, they they have a poor faith in christ if they're that uh, uh, if they're that worried
3: yeah they may have also just had a perpetual worry situation going on yeah
2: yeah <laughs> but, but it's awful to have it magnified and compounded with with superstitious fear and and that's and i i'm the last one to say that if you're a christian you're automatically superstitious i think you've got pre-scientific beliefs in some ways but it, there are a lot of sound healthy minded people that hold these beliefs that however is just uh Neurotic morbidity, and I, I hope people like that can slough off that burden.
3: Yeah, no kidding. Well, it, it's interesting. I mean, because again, I, I've typically tried to avoid religion and, and politics on the show, but uh, Satan is such a big monster, and he's had such a big influence on, on Western culture uh, in movies in modern times and in ancient times, uh, and directly tied to the witch trials, and directly tied to some of the interpretations of religion in early America, definitely tied to uh, a lot of things that happened after the exorcist uh, and, and the sort of cultural impact that that had. Um, so it, it really felt like we had to touch on this. I mean, it has it, he's a topic that has to be covered. <laughs>
2: Yeah, there there is evil in the world. Whether whatever you think about it metaphysically, I mean, there's cer- certainly stuff happening. Uh, there's certainly people that uh, it's appropriate to use that uh, that word for. Even if it's just a metaphor, it's uh, it's unfortunate to get distracted from that by thinking the the real issue is whether there's this fallen angel lurking around like Lex Luthor somewhere. Uh, that's the the problem. Uh, it's uh, that y- 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 you can't do anything about. It's it's possible you might do something about your own character or your own circumstances. And that, that surely should be the place to uh to 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 concentrate.
3: I have a question for you and that's is the devil's greatest trick convincing us he's not real or is it the recipe for delicious chocolate
2: cake? I say th- I go with the cake. Yeah the cake's uh, pretty they- awesome. <laughs> This whole thing is circular. Like once a pastor who was a friend of mine was uh, saying that uh, the the Hammer films directed by Terrence Fisher uh, were uh, important. uh, He knew they weren't literally true, but this idea that, you know, the vampire's greatest strength is that no one believes in them and all that. And I, I said, yeah, but but there aren't any vampires. Like, what, what point are you trying to make? Uh, it's, it's a circular thing. Is there any reason to believe in the devil? Because if not, you can say, well, the, the strength of the little green men in the moon is that nobody knows they're there. Well, how do you know they're there? I mean, <laughs> if there was such an entity, I guess it might come in handy, but there's certainly no reason to take that seriously.
3: Yeah, but I do like this film.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, me too, me too.
3: I want to say thank you again for spending almost another hour with us. Um, and we, I, I do try to ask all my guests, and I think we asked you before on the Cthulhu episode. It may have changed. It may not have. But um, what's your favorite monster?
2: I guess it would have to be uh, the Frankenstein monster. That's a good monster. Yeah, I love him. My daughter, Victoria, and I watched, uh, oh, uh, 30 or so uh, monster movies during October as a countdown to Halloween. And we watched uh, Frankenstein, Bride of, Son of, Ghost of, House of. Uh, they meet David Costello, Evil of Frankenstein, and so on and so on. Uh, and uh, most of the other universals, they're just better and better every time I see them. And it's tough to uh, beat uh, the, the undying monster.
3: Yeah, he's, and and also, uh, you know, man's terrible hubris at creating something
2: <laughs> he can't control. So, <laughs> now I know how it seems to be God. <laughs> I know. <laughs> God. I, uh,
3: I I can't get tired of those films. Uh, and, and so what I just realized, uh, maybe last year, I think for the first time I sat down and watched Son of Frankenstein, And didn't realize how much um, the Mel Brooks' um, Young Frankenstein was really just a riff on Son of Frankenstein. Yeah. It's amazing. But uh, just it made me want to go watch that film again and enjoy it even more. So Mm. just just Mm. fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And this has been a great discussion.
2: Oh, yeah. Any old time. It's loads of fun. All right. Have a good evening.
3: Monster Talk. Thank you for listening to another episode of Monster Talk. I'm your host, Blake Smith, and today you heard me interview biblical scholar Robert M. Price about the history of the devil. You can find links to Bob's books and podcasts in our show notes at monstertalk.org. The dramatic reading at the beginning was performed by Brian Thompson and Carrie Poppy. Carrie can be heard on the podcast, Oh No, It's Ross and Carrie, and Brian can be seen aimlessly wandering the streets of Los Angeles. I promise you— The views and opinions expressed on Monster Talk are not necessarily those of Skeptic Magazine or the Skeptic Society. I'm still working to get a live Monster Talk Google Hangout set up, so please follow me on Twitter at Dr. Atlantis and check out our Facebook group where you'll meet a variety of people who will passionately discuss cryptids, monsters, and adorable kittens with you. Hey, it's Facebook. I sometimes ask for donations here to help with our transcript project but I'd like to ask you instead to donate to the Red Cross or any reliable aid organization working to alleviate the horrible tragedy going on in the Philippines right now. With more than 10,000 people killed by the largest typhoon in recorded history, speedy aid is vital before disease and starvation kill even more. Don't just think about it. If you can afford a coffee or a phone application, you could give that up for a day or two and use that money to make a difference over there. Salamat. Monster Talk theme music is by Pete Stealing Monkeys. Thanks for listening.
0: want to learn the truth about the scientific controversies of our time then subscribe to skeptic the quarterly magazine Stephen jay gould called the best journal in the field to subscribe visit skeptic.com today
1: who who was interviewing him Uh,
0: oh connie chung pulling up to mickey d's just for drinks oh yeah that's me nothing extra just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks, then there are drinks from McDonald's.
2: Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary, cannot be combined with any other offer.
0: Ba da ba ba ba. If you like this podcast,
2: can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science.